I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. We are going back to the hive for season five of The, the Connor, Connor and Smith, Smith Show. All right. Today we are talking to the one and only Dr. Robert. Dr. Thomas Albert. Dr. Thomas Albert. We didn't really rehearse that well. Sorry about you that. Can tell. Oh, thank you, Ryan, our producer, Ryan, in the wings. Commenting. Um, so, yeah, we're going to talk to Dr. A, as I always called him. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We will be right back. Hello. Can you hear me? I can. Hello, Dr. Albert. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm good, my friend. I'm here with my husband and co-host, Matt Connor. Dr. A. Hello. How's it going? Going pretty well. Oh, good. And also joining us is our producer, Mr. Ryan Dean Halbrook. Hey, Dr. Albert. Well, hey, Ryan. How you doing? I am well. Good to hear from you. It's good is, to be heard. Is it storming there? Uh, not right now. It was. Oh, good. We're in the window. Yes. Yeah, we, we just got some, and I think we're getting some more. It's looking dark outside, but we'll we'll manage, I'm sure. How have you been, Dr. Albert? Pretty good, you know, uh, for somebody who's retired. Uh, there's not there's not a whole lot to, to, to say against it. You've just had a recent production go up, haven't you? I have, actually, yes. Do you want to talk a little about that? This is Lisbeth? Yes, sure. Um, uh, it's an opera that I wrote. Uh, in 1976, uh, with a libretto by Lindy Hay and Herman. Yes. And it, yeah. And it was originally produced at Shenandoah in 76, and uh, a couple more times at Shenandoah and some other places around the country, including Pittsburgh, in uh, about 10 years ago. And just this past month, there was a production done at, by Orlando Opera in Orlando, Florida. And did you get to see it? Yes. Um, we went to, uh, we drove down to Florida and, uh, there was, it was a weekend, two, per, two performances, one on Friday night and one on Sunday afternoon. And so we went down there and, and, uh, saw both of the performances. Yeah. And how is it seeing, is it like visiting an old friend that you haven't seen in a long time? Uh, it, Normally, I would say yes, but I spent a lot of time with Lisbeth over the past year because um, Orlando Opera, the, the uh, artistic director, called me or wrote to me two years ago when we were in the midst of the pandemic and said, we want to uh, produce your opera in two years. <laughs> so we had a lot of, of uh, uh, visiting an old friend um, over the two years. And in fact, I did some uh, revisions I had a long list of things that needed to be fixed and I never got around to doing it. And I figured this is, if I don't do it now, I'll never do it. So I spent the better part of, of the last year um, working on uh, a, a new score and um, revising some things and correcting some things like that. Dr. Albert, whose idea was it to write this story? It was my idea. And how did you find the story? Well, uh, when I was in graduate school at the University of Illinois, uh, you have to have a, a, 
a, a composition project is your thesis for the a doctor's degree in composition. And um, my wife, Nancy, was at the time working in the uh, physical education library, which housed the dance library. And the dance library had a book by Evelyn Lincoln called A Private Disgrace, which is the story of Lizzie Borden and her trial. And so, and I'd always been fascinated by Lizzie Borden uh, since I was, you know, in high school or even before that. So um, she brought the book home and I read it and I thought, this will be great. I'll make, this will be my thesis piece. I'll write an opera. And realized within about six months that that was way too big a project. <laughs> so way you were, you were a composition major in Illinois. Yes. So yes, was. Lizzie was maybe the biggest undertaking in college at that time? Yes. Yeah. Except I didn't undertake it when I was in college. I undertook it when I got to Shenandoah. I actually undertook it when I got to Shenandoah. And are you originally from Illinois? No, I'm originally from Pennsylvania. Lebanon, Pennsylvania. Oh, nice. That's on the east? It's, it's halfway between Harrisburg and Reading. Okay. And north of Lancaster. So it's in the, we call it uh, Eastern, Central Pennsylvania, but it's really kind of the Southeast. A fellow Pennsylvanian like myself. I love that. Yes. yes so but you're, you're, you're from, I'm, fr I'm from the uh, Southwest of Pennsylvania. Right, right. Go ahead, Ray. Yeah, uh, so you came to Shenandoah in 74? Correct. Okay, and then it was two, year, two years later when right. you guys did that. Right. The... Uh, the National Endowment for the Arts um, used to give out, they used to give out grants to artists, you know, back in the day. <laughs> what a novel idea. Right. And 1976 being the bicentennial year, they had a lot of money to, uh, to give away to, uh, to all artists of all kinds. And for the performing arts, the only requirement, two requirements, it had to be an American subject and at least a guarantee of at least somebody who would consider performing it. So I went to uh, Harold Herman at Shenandoah and explained it to him and told him what the story was. And I said, so I, if you don't mind, could you write me a letter saying you'll consider performing it? And he said, well, I'll, I'll write a letter, but I won't say I'm going to consider performing it. I'm going to tell him that we will perform it. Oh, nice. Yes. So I got the grant. And then I had to get find uh, a librettist and I went to Hal Herman and I said, I was working with somebody and it wasn't working out and he lives in uh, Wisconsin. So I don't want to do something long distance. Have you got any ideas for somebody who could write uh, the libretto for an opera, the play? And he said, funny, you should ask because of course his wife, Lindy Herman uh, uh, was, who was an actor was also a playwright. So Lindy wrote the libretto. And so like all of that just kind of was right there in your lap. Yes, it was. And how did you like working with Lindy? Well, I loved it. I mean, it was fantastic. I, I gave her the book to read. And then we, we sat several times. We sat for several hours each time talking about it and talking about, you know, she was acquitted at the time, but did she do it or didn't she do it? And... Um, we came to the conclusion that it makes a more interesting story if she did it. Oh, wow. So that's the assumption, so that's the assumption of the opera. She did it and got away with it, which she did because she was acquitted. 
what year, so that what was, year was that? 1892, maybe? Wow. Early 1890s. August of it was during an incredible heat wave in August, middle of August in 1892, I believe. I'm looking on thomasalbert.net. Your yes. website is beautiful. Thank you. But I see Thank that you, you have um, had things done throughout Europe, Brazil, Japan, and Korea. Does yes. that mean that you've also gone there to help launch projects uh, or do, do sometimes things happen without you? They all happened without me, unfortunately. Oh, no. Uh, yes. Uh, not unfortunately. Unfortunately, because I couldn't be there. But uh, fortunately, they, they all happened and they happened uh, very, very well. Um, I got uh, copies of programs and where there were reviews, I got copies of reviews. Um, and uh, part of that was uh, a tour uh, by a, a contemporary music group called Eighth Blackbird. And my son was in that group for a long time and they were touring in, uh, they were touring in Korea. And they, I wrote a piece for them when they, early in the days of their existence and they played that uh, while they were touring. So that's how I got uh, some of those Asia, Asiatic performances and also the same in, in uh, Brazil. Can I ask back to Lizzie um, yes. or Lizbeth? Um, did Mrs. Herman want to be in the project? No. no. Um, <laughs> is, what is the, the size cast we're looking at for that show? Uh, let's see. There's, there are three different Lizzie's. There's uh, an older Lizzie who's living in the present, then an adult Lizzie. Oh, there's four. And a, and a young woman and a child. And then her father and her stepmother and her sister. So that's six. Plus okay. a, a, a chorus of like four children. Okay, so it's a relatively small, like a chamber opera, right? Correct. Okay, I'm just taking note of this because we have uh, several friends with some opera companies in town that do uh, focus on chamber operas, and I'll have to bring this to their attention. Well, I was wondering, how many operas yeah. have you written, and can we work on the Albert Festival? <laughs> we, we could work on the festival, but it'll only last for one night because I've only written one opera. And that's Lisbeth. And that's Lisbeth. Yes. Yeah, that would be an interesting um, thing to explore. Now, would you ever, or has it ever been uh, translated into a different language, or is that probably not going to be happening because it's kind of the American story? Yeah, I don't, I can't imagine that that would happen. Um, it has not happened. Um, and I know about every performance that there has been, and there was one that I didn't, um, approve of, uh, but uh, they were all in the United States. I remember walking into uh, Armstrong from the sort of... Uh, stage door? Yes, yeah, so the stage door smoking section back in the, back in the day, uh -huh. and the headshots on one side and the posters on the other side, and Elizabeth being a part of that collection and always thinking, what was that about? <laughs> yes, it was about Lizzie Borden. Um, so, so when you landed at Shenandoah in 74... Um, From University of Illinois, you said. Yes, that's right. You landed there as kind of like a, a doctor of music, like composition. What was your kind of uh, way in? Well, I was hired uh, to teach uh, music theory and composition because at that time that was the 
that was the career path for a composer who wanted to work in academia. You taught music theory. So I spend most of my time teaching uh, written theory, oral skills, and sight singing for the first uh, few years of my uh, job at Shenandoah. And also I had composition students. And what, at what point did you start to get, uh, in t- was it SSMT that kind of started the theater kind of, when was uh, the theater major kind of thing developed at Shenandoah? Well, he had already well, written the prequel to Swinging Tide. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The, the theater, the, the musical theater program started the year before I got here. In 73, okay. Yes. And it, it, by the way, it's the second oldest program in the United States. You're kidding. No. Wow. The, the oldest one is at the Cincinnati College Conservatory of Music. Oh, my Shenandoah's, gosh. Shenandoah Which, is the second. Yeah. You've, you've actually had work done there as well? Uh, in in summer theater in uh, Cincinnati, no, I didn't. No. Oh, okay. Oh, well, actually, yes, I did. I I had some uh, music performed uh, by their contemporary music ensemble, and also um, I wrote incidental music for a production of uh, the. I wrote incidental music for the first play of the Angels in America uh, saga, uh, which was done, which Eighth Blackbird, my son's music group, played when they were graduate students. Okay. So, so before we go down this musical theater path, Stephen, yeah. when you when you do an incidental score for, let's say, the Elephant Man or another play, can someone else then who's doing the same play ask for the same music, or is that completely now only married to that production that just happened? Uh, in theory, somebody could use the music. Um, in actual practice, it rarely happens. It's never happened for me, the music. Well, that's not true. I'll come back to that in a second. Um, but uh, it, it rarely happens because each director, uh, if they want music, they have their ideas of where the music should go, which they, if they're going to hire somebody to write it, uh, they talk in consultation with, with the composer and we work it out together. So somebody could use it, but uh, except for uh, Angels in America, nobody has. Mm. And was Angels in America, uh, your underscore for that, reused by Shenandoah or somewhere else? It was reused by um, a small theater in Columbus, Ohio, called Short North Stage. And the uh, artistic director of Short North Stage, uh, Edward Carrigan, uh, did some work at Shenandoah when Jonathan Flom was in charge of musical theater. He did some, came and did some choreography, and then he did some choreography in the summer, so I got to know him really well. And in fact, he directed some summer theater productions. But um, he was getting ready to mount a production of Angels in America, and so he asked if he could use the music that I had for the first one, and would I write music for the second play, which I did. Um, so uh, can, can we go let's let's backpedal back to musical theater now so okay so you uh when was the first season of ssmt 1984 okay so you were there for several years before that got kicking up was that like several years in development of talking about it uh there was probably about two years of of seriously talking about it Mm -hmm. um and before that there was a a two-week um summer camp uh, in the performing arts and there at which uh, Harold Herman was the director of that camp. And so there was of course a musical theater component to it. 
and I was the music director for that for, I think, four years uh, before we started the summer theater. And and the uh, the the whole idea and impetus being not only um, giving experience to the students, but also perhaps netting some extra like funds from the community, right? Sure. Sure, that would have been nice. The first year we gave a lot of experience to the students. <laughs> How many shows do you think you were MD conductor of? Well, I can tell you that uh, for the summer theater, I was music director for 64 shows. Wow. That's a, it was a, about two a year. There were a couple of years where I only did one, but it was a, approximately two a year. And how many shows did you perform in? Um, every time Hal Herman was on stage, he didn't want to be the only adult <laughs> back, back in the days when, uh, the company was almost exclusively college students. And so he would cajole me into, uh, being in the cast with him. So I don't know, maybe four or five times, uh, and that counts Fiddler on the Roof, which was four times of itself, plus, a, plus a few others during here and during the school and during the summer i was in i was the fiddler on top of that roof yes i believe in 1990 maybe two three or four yeah something like that it was it, it wasn't the last time mr herman did it i don't think i think it was maybe the next to last time y yeah Maybe, but anyway, I remember that production, and and we can have an argument right here, Doctor Albert. Okay, but All I have right. to say, whenever anyone talks to me about writing a musical, which you know aren't really necessarily my musicals, but I feel like Fiddler on the Roof is like almost the perfect template of how to write a musical. The opening number, the I Want song, the the way that it, it is just built in this very beautiful machine every song and every scene is so purposed well i we're not going to have a fight about that because i tend to agree with you i'm i'm a big fan of bach and harnick's musicals and fiddler on the roof is certainly their masterpiece um it it is it is a, an interesting piece because it d breaks so many conventions of musical theater i mean first of all there's certainly a lot of fun and humor but it isn't a happy story Right. You know, it doesn't have a happy ending. And maybe it's hopeful, but it's not it's not a happy ending. Um, and it doesn't have a big ending number. I mean, you know that as the fiddler, you know how it ends. Right. You know, so it's it it's not a template for um, a successful musical theater. It's a something that bro broke the mold and became for our time the uh had the longest running the longest run on broadway you know it was uh it was a very very popular and still is very popular all over the world um, well i remember how much it meant to me as a student to see mr herman uh you uh gene babb who i only knew kind of as a local you know winchester area performer mm -hmm. it seemed like such a community show with so many people on the same playing field on the stage, but that also had so many different um, uh, hats that they played in the university. And to see everybody kind of join together was such a magical moment to realize that people don't really fit into, you know, one box. 
Yeah, right. And I and exactly. I doubt if I doubt if that at that moment I even knew that you were actually you know a composer. I only looked at you as like a teacher who taught theory and music theater ensemble in history and music theater history. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, because that's what I did. Yeah. You know, you know. by the by the time you were at, in school at Shenandoah, I was still teaching composition, but not much. And I think maybe toward the late. Uh, 90s or early 2000s, I stopped teaching composition and I was completely in musical theater. Um, since we're on the musical theater kind of circuit here, um, music theater history was, I think, one of all of our favorite classes um, that you taught. And I think everyone I know just wanted to take that class and leave. And that book was so <laughs> wonderful, too. Um, yeah. The so, Matt, you would say your perfect musical is Fiddler on the Roof. Well, I mean, if I had to, like, talk to someone and say, I think that the sort of the uh, mathematical equation of how they understood to, how to write a show and get the point across, it's perfect. Mine, I have to say, is Gypsy. But that's just me. Um, that's my, like, apex. Because you want to be gypsies no 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 i just think it, it's one of the apexes of musical theater writing at the time do you have ryan? a favorite ryan nothing's perfect nothing's perfect no <laughs> dr albert do you have a do you have another perfect show besides fiddler uh well i have a few that that i rank uh very high and depending on the, my mood i could put anyone any one of them at the top of the list uh but sweeney todd of course yep uh, also, a little night music. Yep. Also, ragtime. Mm -hmm. And West Side Story. Oh, yeah. You know, um, and I'm sure I'm leaving something out. Did you uh, like the movie of West, the new one? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I did actually. I liked it very much because yeah, it, it, it didn't try to be the stage show. It, it, and the first, the the original movie. I liked because I saw that actually before I saw the stage show, but I liked it less as time went on. Uh, but I, I really liked the new one because it was, I thought, more honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I loved how they re kind of conceived like cool. Yes. And I feel pretty. And I mean, it was. And Doc to. Uh... And Doc into. Um, Doc's wife, uh, widow. Yeah. Rita Moreno. That was pretty powerful. That really kind of made the movie for me as far as every, all the changes just kind of coming together. What did she sing? There's a place for us. Yeah. 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 That was pretty yeah. powerful. Which, which was also a change. There were, there were some interesting changes in the music. Uh, one of the things also that I really liked about it is that there were, uh, there were a few numbers where the actors were actually singing when it was filmed. Mm -hmm. Not that's almost that almost never happens for film, but there were a few, like uh, one hand, one heart. They were actually singing when 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 they were filming it, and that's what we heard in the theater. I also liked uh, some solo numbers that were kind of given someone to sing to, which mm -hmm. kind of repurposed them away. Like uh, something's coming, like he had that whole exchange with um, Rita Moreno's character. Yes, and it just kind of made it a little more playable and a little more believable that this guy isn't just having a soliloquy while stalking the shelves, you know? Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, yes. 
it's it's always interesting to me how a film of a musical can then change the musical in the staging of it when it moves on in the future, whether that's like the Grease film affected the future stagings of Grease or revivals or whatever. It'll be interesting to see if and how this, this West Side kind of ripples into performances of it in the future, or if it does at all, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because um, I wouldn't mind something's coming being sung to Doc or whoever you've gotten that part, you know? Mm-hmm. I also thought the the portrayal of this is not the West Side Story film podcast, but um, I did, might be. I did like the portrayal of anybody's as kind of a um, non-binary kind of figure. It kind of brought it a little into the now and kind of was chilling in different ways. You know? Yeah, it was. It spoke to it spoke to a contemporary audience, but I think was still very true to uh, the intent of the character. Yeah. Originally. Well, it, it kind of made the character make sense to me. I was like, oh, I know exactly now what I never understood. You yeah. know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you have something? Yeah. I wanted to know, do you also have uh, as much education in the opera world? Are you still up to date with all of that? No. <laughs> no. No. I'm, I'm not. I, I have to confess that my knowledge of musical theater is... Uh, confined exclusively to American musical theater, and it doesn't involve knowing very much at all about what's going on in opera, unless there's an opera company. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> oh, well, you, well, you know, me and Stephen have an inside joke because growing up, uh, my choir director at the Salem Church of the Brethren in Podunk, Stephen City, said to me once, you know, I'm not really a big fan of Kenny Rogers anymore ever since he crossed over. And <laughs> What she meant by that, and me and Stephen joke about, is she meant, you know, um, Kenny Rogers has left country music, and now he's singing Islands in the Stream, and it sounds like it might be pop. Uh And what's fascinating to me about that, and we try to be very careful about the evolution of sort of the sound of musicals, because, you know, even when we were growing up, you know, there was a sound of what we thought musicals kind of were, And all of a sudden, I'm in the studio theater listening to um, Arlene and and, and, um, someone else like belting nobody's on nobody's side from chess. And I'm like, oh, my God, what is this? And now here we are, you know, uh, many years later, and now we've got the Hamiltons. We've got the Dear Evan Hansons. We've got such a different. And yet we still have a gentleman's guide to love and murder, you know, which kind of. So are back like in the a, opera world, right? It's like a period piece, yes. yes. Yeah. But the way that, you know, there's a constant learning curve of what is, you know, uh, what was classic and, and how it's changing and what's next. And now, of course, we're, you know, trying to be um, very mindful of open, you know, diversity and discussions about that. But it really feels like, even watching the Tonys, like there's a, a brand new... Um, you know, thing coming with, um, what was it? Um, Strange Loop, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, gosh, what? how is this gonna ever, the storytelling of music is just constantly evolving. Yes, well, that's good because that, it means it's a living art. Yeah. And it also means that it'll transcend generation and get to, you know, younger folks and they'll keep it alive and keep the torch lit, right? right. And not only listen to Kenny Rogers when he was country. <laughs> well, speaking to that, uh, 
take us through the years. Like what changed, what didn't change when, you know, throughout the years until up until you retired, what, you know, was there something that's maintained amongst the students and about amongst the teachings? Uh, you know, did you feel like you evolved with it? In the style huh? of like musical theater? Yeah, music theater. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, things changed because I, I was involved in musical theater over uh, uh, several, gen many generations of students. And when I started, uh, the, the program was very rooted in the golden age, uh, which is not surprising because that's, that was the period that was uh, the, the, the center of Hal Herman's uh, experience and mine. Uh, I was on the, on the later end of it and he was on the earlier end of it, but you know, the golden age from Rodgers and Hammerstein through West Side Story, which is 1943 through 1957, maybe, let's say, up till Fiddler on the Roof. So it's about 20 years, 21 years. And um, it changed a lot, and uh, it changed a lot again and again. So it's not surprising that where we are now is very, very far away from Oklahoma or South Pacific. But that doesn't mean that Oklahoma and South Pacific don't have something to say about to a, to a modern audience. And it doesn't mean that uh, for those of us who are got like, kind of left in the dust by uh, modern musicals like Hamilton, it doesn't mean that Hamilton's not a great musical. I don't really like it very much, but it's not. But I don't think it's a bad show at all. And, and there's a reason that those shows, both that you mentioned, Oklahoma and South Pacific, have had revivals within the last, you know, five years. Because um, yeah. the story still is relevant and we're finding new ways to tell it. Um, well, and those no new shows are also borrowing and stealing the, the, the original structures from the classics and finding the, a, a different window into, but using that as a complete springboard of, of what musical is. Sure, of course. So when you were in Pennsylvania playing with Legos, <laughs> what, did you come from a musical family? What, how, what was the bug that, that got you into all of this? Yes, uh, uh, very much a musical family. My father uh, uh, was a musician from the time that he was a child, although his, his mother uh, had a musical family. Um, and uh, he taught music in the uh, local high school. Um, my brother and two sisters were also very much involved in music. Um, my father's sister it was a music teacher. Um, my, his, one of his, his, both of his older brothers were uh, in service bands uh, in the, uh, in the uh, United States, one in the Army and one in the Navy. Uh, the Navy brother, in fact, was on the USS Pennsylvania at Pearl Harbor. He was playing clarinet for the morning services. So music was a big part of, of, of my family growing up. Um, not necessarily musical theater, uh, although that was important. Do you play the piano? Uh, everybody who take, gets a degree in music has to play the piano. So do you play another instrument besides the piano? My main instrument was tuba and string bass, my, my main instruments. Oh, wow. Yeah. So do you ever start uh, any sort of melody or anything when you're writing on the tuba or the string bass? I don't have a tuba or a string bass anymore. Haven't played either one in about 45 years. 
Oh wow! So well, that would uh, be a no. Well, we're going to have a Kickstarter and change that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not interested. I I uh, gave my two mouthpiece to a, a student at Shenandoah who, when I got here, who needed a new mouthpiece and sold my tuba so that we could afford to move here. Yeah. Oh. Wow. I, I haven't played the tuba since 1974. Wow. Well, that embouchure comes right back. Come on. <laughs> I hear it. I hear it. Yes. Um, yeah. Dr. Albert, through the years of SSMT and SU, like, productions that are kind of like landmark in your eyes that you look back on that like this was the the best of the thing the heights that we hit throughout those years are there like a, a few things that come to mind like that was a really great production of that show or etc well um the i'll go backwards uh i was i i thought that my last year at shenandoah was uh, delight. Whoop. The power just went out here. Oh, oh no. Yes, it did. Anyway, what? you can still hear me, right? Because I'm on battery. I can, yeah. yeah. Okay, I, I can't see anything anymore, but all I was looking at was the clock ticking down. We're going to sing light a candle from rent. <laughs> right. Um, so where was I? Oh, yeah. The, the last year that I was at Shenandoah, we did um, uh, Ragtime. And uh, no, no, excuse me. We didn't do ragtime. We did, uh, oh, she, now I, I can't. The fact that the lights went out made my brain go. Right. <laughs> you know. Oh, well, ragtime uh, was a big highlight. Right. That was my the last show that I did with Summer Theater. The last show that I did at Shenandoah was City of Angels. Ah. Which is, I don't think it's a great musical, but it's one of my favorites. I love it because it's very clever. The lyrics are clever. And the music is fantastic. The Angel City Four is a wonderful uh, plot device using having this this jazz quartet singing, and then in the in the fall we contrasted that with She Loves Me, which is which was written by Bach and Harnick, who also wrote Fiddler on the Roof, you know, and I think those are two of of the best musicals that have ever been written. They're not. I don't think either one is the best because I don't know what the best is, but those are good shows. I remember when I first sat down in Armstrong and saw maybe the first production of Sweeney Todd with Joe and Lee. Yes. And I was blown away because, you know, being raised in Stephen City, I was not versed in a lot of stuff. We were not exposed to a lot of theater except what was done in the high school. So I yes. was kind of really, um, I was, I didn't know much. Well, I'm not sure I still do, <laughs> but I remember listening to Sweeney almost like it was an opera, of course, and thinking, mm -hmm. oh, my God, this is it was so much bigger than what than me even watching the show. And yeah. I just fell in love with that production because it, it just blew me away. Yeah, I think that's you, you talk about uh, high high points in my in my career at Shenandoah. And that is that's one of them is the the first Sweeney Todd that we did with, with the students, because, you know, it's really beyond students. But the, the nice thing about students is that they don't know that things are beyond them, so they just do them anyway. Was that a big rumble of thunder? Yes, it's it's gotten very dark and it's thundering and lightning and the cat has gotten run under the bed. 
and it's very quiet in the house. Except for <laughs> and, and this brings us to Witches of Eastwick. Just, <laughs> just well, what an appropriate um, segue from Sweeney Todd. Dr. Uh, Albert, are you still writing today? Uh, I Not very much, no. Um, are you working on SSMT this summer? No, I'm, I retired from SSMT in 2019. So no more school, no more SSMT, just lots of Netflix. Life. That, yes, just other things. Other um, things. Other things. Um, I... Uh, updated my my webpage a couple of years ago. Uh, I spent the last year, uh, as I told you, rewriting, or not rewriting, but um, uh, adapting and, and reworking Lisbeth. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, have, I haven't written anything brand new since I wrote incidental music for Angels in America for the uh, Short North Stage in, in Columbus, Ohio. And that was uh, 2000. Or no, 2020, 2018. It was 2018. Well, you know, it's a dark and stormy night, so maybe you'll have inspiration. Um, That's true. <laughs> a little um, night music. A little yeah. night music. Yeah. You, yeah. Um, because you come from a musical family, and then you also have nurtured your own musical family. How do you, as a parent and an artist, sort of? Um, hand out advice about the balance of the arts and sort of making a living and knowing, hey, you're talented, you can do this, but there's also, you got to also be fiscally responsible. And sometimes the arts, you know, will only hand you a check for 500 bucks. Yeah, I, that's kind of something that, that I think both of our kids figured out for themselves. Um, yeah. And and uh, you know they and they took very different paths because they're interested in uh, primarily interested in different kinds of music. Our son uh, is a is a violinist, and he played in a contemporary music group uh, for a number of years, and now is on the faculty at the University of Michigan. Uh, he teaches. He's a head of chamber music there, and, and Elizabeth um, did professional theater for a while, and that doesn't you know, always pay the bills. And she uh, eventually ended up here at Shenandoah working in theater. Uh, and she's, you know, really good at being in charge. <laughs> I, I, I have no idea where she got that. <laughs> <laughs> well, being in musicals, you, of course, you know, it's about sometimes being in charge and then sometimes not being in charge. So. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's well, knowing you, when to step up and when to step back. The thing that I love the most about musical theater, working in it, is that it is always a collaborative art. That's that's just the most fun. You know, for every production I, I did, I worked with a director and a choreographer. Uh, and sometimes it was the same person, but most of the time it wasn't. And in addition, of course, I had to work with the the designers, um, the sound people, everything, everything affects the music. So I love the fact that musical theater is collaborative. Well, we hear that you are getting some crazy storms. So I, I just personally, before we go and ask you a few wrap up questions, okay. I just want to, I just want to thank you. I'll just speak on behalf of Stephen and Ryan. I, I just want to thank you for all the input that you gave us or even myself for uh, inspiring me to become who I am. I know that, you know, I didn't, I was not a composition major. I ended up being a little bit of a composer here in the area, whatever that means. But everything does come back to this very basic 
you know, place of learning, you know, simple chord progressions and theory and sight singing, all those basic skills that allow you to then dive into bigger oceans. So um, you've just been an inspiration to all of us. Well, thank you. And we're going to get Elizabeth done here in D.C. Well, that would be great. I, I'm, I think I'd come to a performance if you did. I mean, it's it, if you can manage the commute. Well, you know, yeah. I'm friends with the the person who is on the board at uh, the Urban Arias, and I also know that people who run the In series. And either one would probably be a good fit. Yeah. Uh, well, that's that's good to know. We'll have we'll have to talk more. Yes. Yes. We'll we'll chat when it's not uh, you know a tornado warning. Um. Dr. Albert, during the COVID period, did you have um, any sort of TV binging with uh, Netflix or a show that you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Oh, what did we, well, we did. Um, and of course now I can't think of anything that, that we watched, but we we did um, do some binging. Endeavor, uh, which is a, a British a detective uh, story um, series. Isn't that a prequel to... Yes. Another, another series, it's the younger version. It is. Yeah, and we yeah. watched and we watched the older version and uh, uh, Inspector Morse. That's it. That's it, yeah. And we so we watched that and then we watched Endeavor. Um we we at some point, but I think that was after I retired, but before the COVID thing, we 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 watched all of the uh ERs. Oh my goodness, that's like ten years. Yeah, yeah. It was. It, it didn't take 10 years to watch it all. Because, like, <laughs> but it felt two like or three 10 years. years. Well, it was several months. You know, and, and I think we've done that with some other series as well. And, and what kind of music do you listen to? Like just randomly? Is, is there what kind of stuff will we find playing in your ear at any given time? Um, we listen to a lot of um, WETA, classical FM radio. Yeah. I also like uh, some uh, some uh, Pandora stations, and I, I have one that I that I uh, group that I that, that Elizabeth uh, um, got me into called the Whalen Jennies, <laughs> which is a, 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 a trio of women. And of course, it's obviously a, a takeoff on Waylon Jennings, who's right. a country music singer. And, and they started out as a kind of a country a trio, but with class. Gotcha. Uh, and and there, so I, I listen to that when I go to the gym every morning. Um, I also like uh, the cool jazz station on Pandora and also the big band station. All good choices. All good choices. We have the classical station on in our car mostly just to keep us calm in the DC traffic, but it works. Yes. You know? I love yeah. blasting classical music really loud in my car. People are like, what? <laughs> what? what is that? <laughs> and, you, and you feel like you're in a dress from Bridgerton. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, Dr. Albert, we love you. Uh, so good to catch up with you and hear your voice. Um, we'll, we'll chat about Lisbeth sometime in the future here. Uh, we'll, we'll make some uh, inquiries ourselves and, um, yeah, it's just great to catch up. And I, I hope retirement is treating you wonderfully and uh, allows you to maybe kind of come out and see some shows or something in the D.C. area. And maybe we can meet up and see you. That would be great. Thank you for having me. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dr. All right. All right. Bye. 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 
thanks so much for talking to us at a dark and stormy night, Dr. Albert. Um, we love, actually, the sound cues of thunder in the background. It, it was very dramatic, and I hope that your power came back on and everything was good. I'm glad the power going off did not affect the podcast. Um, we're very appreciative that although the lights were out, you stuck with us. Um, that That's a first on this podcast in uh, five seasons, so thanks for that, Dr. Albert. That's what you do when you're in theater. If the lights go out, you grab a candle and you continue with your scene. That's right. That's right. The show must go, go on. on. Exactly. If you want to know more about us, please visit www.connorsmithmusicals.com. That's Connor with an ER. You can find us on social media on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook under Connor and Smith again with an ER. Please rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. Really helps us out. Post it where you post things. Share it where you share things. Please join the Discord discussion. The details are in the description of this podcast also add to the late 90s playlist on spotify also description in this um description (laughs) details in the thank you our producer ryan um so yeah uh it's been another great week we we got to talk to two great um teachers professors instructors from shenandoah um Idri Means Weekly and Thomas Albert. We're so grateful that they joined us. Um, so fascinating getting to know their journey because when we're young and in college and just like there are teachers and, you know, we're all about ourselves. And as we age, we kind of go back and go, what's their journey? And that was so exciting to learn, uh, you know, in addendum to the other, you know, Mary Robert and Robin Schroff that we talked to. So... Loving that and hoping we can add to that number uh, as we close out the Shenandoah season sometime around homecoming in September. So uh, it's been fun. It's continuing to be fun. And we will talk to you next week with new guests. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye.